0: this is uh you know that negative thought you've been having and uh, i just uh i just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight so uh go ahead and just turn this show off okay and um uh, yeah, everything's still fine this is Blindsight with your host bill lundgren an ainc original podcast you serious? we're not holding back truth we're here to help you heal and become the best you possible here's the chair here's the pillow here's bill Hello there, listeners. This is Blind Sight. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and the program is sponsored, of course, by Audio Information Network of Colorado. Glad to have you here, and I'm real excited that we're going. We're doing a second segment uh, with uh, Kathy, Doctor Kathy Cutlet, uh, and this time we're going to be talking more about. Uh, I guess we'll call them modern modern people that we're uh, looking at in terms of blind leadership. But I wanted to ask you, Kathy, welcome aboard. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. And, and I wanted to ask you, as a historian, what do you want people to come away with when you lecture, when they read your your uh, writings, you know, what is it that you want to get across, particularly to blind people, but people in general, as a historian?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's kind of two things. One is that uh, blindness and blind people are central to history in ways that people haven't really thought about, but also that that history is part of everybody's history so you know blind people have a history of their own that's unique and it's in these currents of historical thinking but at the same time it's also blind people are uh you know kind of needing to be talked about in and of themselves
0: i personally can relate to both of them because uh i think more in uh uh, in the last few years, I've been discovering there are other blind people out there. Everybody knows Helen Keller, and uh, but you know that was she was kind of the face of, of uh, blindness and, and uh, disability. But it's until we really point out people, uh, we don't know if anybody's out there.
1: Right, and there's there is a lot of history that still needs to be written. That's the other piece, because the challenge for historians, especially in the earlier period we talked about last time, it's um, is that historians don't have uh, they're, they're not they haven't been asking the right questions, and people don't always record their histories. They're not like writing stuff down about what they think and how they um are acting and all of these things. And what changes, especially in the more recent times, is that blind people are expected to have a history. they're expected to write about it, and they you know have the technology and the resources to do so, uh, which they didn't have
0: previously. True, true. But and you now we have a whole generation of people who were born in the 21st century and look at the 20th century as ancient history. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 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 that's which is really funny.
0: So we, um, we, we talk yeah. about our day, you know, they'll look at us it, like, you know, we're 100 years old.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I remember reading or hearing somebody say somewhere that they held on to every single scrap of Braille they ever got because... That was all they had, and so there was so limited books and resources right. that it was like this treasure, and now blind people, just like everybody else, are inundated with information, and there's too much of it, and you've got refreshable Braille displays that let you read as much as sighted people, so you can get cognitive overload just like everybody else but it was that's a recent you know in the past 50 to 75 years it's a recent development so Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. well if you were researching you may already and some of the people well let's say of our time who would you be pointing to who would you want people uh particularly blind people to know more about than we do currently
1: no oh, boy. I mean, when you say our time, do you mean that people that are still, <clears throat> excuse me, people that are still alive, um, okay. you know, that are kind of part of our generation?
0: Well, that's up to you. Uh, you're the historian. Who do you think we yeah. all know about?
1: <laughs> well, there's lots and lots and lots of people that are doing really, really interesting work. And I hesitate to single any one person sure. out. Um because, you know, that then that, that could bring up like 50 other people I didn't mention. Right. So right. Um, I would say that whatever you're interested in, there's a blind person or two or three or 50 connected to it and doing really, really interesting work. And mm-hmm. either, you know, cre- in the creative fields, in the scientific creative fields, in arts, in literature, in everywhere that blind people are having, making a mark. Um, The issue is to really think through, are they, you know, are they making a mark because they're blind people? In which case, you know, maybe they have uh, different insights and, and a different perspective based on everything from actual visual acuity to prejudice and, and fighting back. Or is it that they're just people going through their lives Doing, doing things just as sighted people are going through their lives doing things, they just happen to be doing it differently. And we've got oodles of examples of both. So you can't really um, kind of separate that out. I would you, say that... Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just thinking, uh, one of the things that really makes my skin crawl is when a sighted person talks about how courageous I am. Because I'm blind and I just do what I consider absolutely mundane things. And I have a feeling that most people who are blind have that same situation where through the sighted world, being blind is like it's a miracle that we can even feed ourselves.
1: Right, right. And to me, I always kind of come back at that with the real miracle is dealing with all of these misconceptions. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, if we can get people to think differently for a, a split second and, and change their their perspective, that's the right. miracle. And the thing is, you you have to deal with it every single day. And sometimes you're too tired to deal with it. Sometimes yes. you're wanting to be doing other things and focus something else and people don't really recognize how much effort um, goes into changing the perspective of everybody around us and you always feel I don't know about you but I always feel like I'm on display and that I you know know. you know on the other hand you know you have to be that person that's going to maybe change those conceptions. And so how do you do it? You do it with podcasts. You do it through individual conversations. You do it just by being yourself, Um, you know, and you do it by inventing cool stuff related or not to blindness. You just end up living a life that matters to you and to those around you. And that's like probably the most radical act of all.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, in looking through that field, and I, I think you're right, but, uh, you know, we don't talk about people who are leaders, who are writers, who are, uh, even artists. My sister was a, uh, had a degree in, in art and she still continued to do some very fine work, uh, after she was blind. Mm-hmm. Just simply, as you say, as we say, doing it differently. But, mm-hmm. You know, is there anybody that's, you know, are there some people who stand out in your mind from your personal, uh, I'll call it prejudice, but particular people that, you know, that you know about who are no longer with us or who, you know, who you would say, boy, you know, I'm impressed with XYZ. I'll put you on the spot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that is um, Bill Lundgren. He's an amazing guy. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm going to not answer that. I think it's up to people to discover because I don't really want to anoint a blind person with some sort of mantle that they may or may not want. Um, you know, I think the idea is for people to find what they love and dig a little deeper and see if there's a blind person doing it. I mean, you know, here's Uh one example. Here's one example of maybe that I will give is there's um, uh, Janice Waith, W-A-I-T-H, who's a blind archer, and, um, you know, she shoots archery. She does really cool, you know, stuff. She's a really capable and talented archer, and people just assume, oh, blind people can't do archery, and she's out there all the time proving that that's not true, and she's winning tournaments, and... Um, you know, teaching people. And, you know, so again, I don't want to hold up the blind miracle person as whatever, but you know, if you love, if you're like used to do archery and you're a blind person, look up blind archer. If you used to be a cook, look up blind cook and see what, see what you get, see what comes up and, and um, you know, open your, your, your mind and, Part of it is just learning how to do something that you've always learned how to do with some different techniques and some different um, emphases and and all of that. Some of it might mean even wanting different results from that that you do. Um, You know, there's lots of there's lots of ways to approach it, I think.
0: But what you what I'm hearing you say Is the first task is to understand that even though you're blind, you can still do whatever it is you want to do.
1: Right, right. And there might be, you know, there might be adjustments you have to make. But, you know, something excited person moves to a new city. They can't keep doing things exactly as they did it before. They're making adjustments and we don't make a big deal out of that. It's just it's a new you have to reorient your thinking to say, look, uh, I just am going to need to approach what I love differently, and maybe I'll discover some new, exciting, cool things that I never thought about before.
0: <clears throat> well, I always like to uh, make my sighted friends a little nervous. I talk about my longing to drive an 18-wheeler. <laughs> yeah, that's... That uh, usually that's... <laughs> shakes usually
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure I mean, you know, let's face it, there's some things you won't be able to do And some of them you won't be able to do because of blindness Some of them you won't be able to do just because, you know, there's not things that everybody does I mean, I'm sure not every sighted person can rush out and drive an 18-wheeler either I mean, you know, they've (laughs) made choices and decisions and, you know, um, have skill sets that may or may not be aligned with that anymore, you know?
0: One of of the things that I think that I personally think is important, though, uh, for blind people to know that other blind people are out there and doing great things.
1: Absolutely. And doing mundane things, too. You know, I think it's just as important to know about the great ones as it is to know about the mundane, everyday ones. And, you know, to get to get. Um, inspired, and I use that word very kind of carefully, but but to be inspired by someone just being themselves and to give, have you get permission by watching somebody else who's being themselves and figuring out their place in the world, that you can do that too. And to me, that's as, as big and as huge and as uh, whatever as the next guy that climbs, you know, um, uh, mount everest blindfolded and again that's not to belittle right. a, eric weinmeyer yeah. no. right i don't want to belittle what he's done it's amazing it's great it's it's awesome but let's face it most of us aren't eric weinmeyer so you can hold that out there and say like wow that's great uh, i want to do that too and some people will but you can also hold it out there and say oh shoot you know i'm really failing and falling behind because i'm not and you're not, you're just a person just as not every sighted person climbs, you know, um, Mount Everest, not every blind person's going to do it. So these models of, of people that are achieving and growing and expanding and all that are great to see a, a, a wonderful idea out there. But they're also, um, you know, we can't like hold them up as that, that's how all people should be.
0: That, that's why I think it's important for people like Eric, even though we know that we're not going to climb Mount Everett, uh, there are some people who are afraid of going up five or six stories. Exactly. The, the issue being that if somebody can climb Mount Everett, then that holds out the idea that maybe we can you know do something that other people think we can't do. And that's, yes, that's it's, true. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's our buying into the prejudice of sighted people. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. what's harmful.
1: Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, it's and it's, it's not just sighted people. It's our own internalized prejudices, you know, which, you know, let's face it. We grow up in a sighted world, and we learn all the rules, all the sighted rules, and you just in, internalize that just as, you know, Everybody that's in a minority population internalizes the majority of right. you and kind of puts it on themselves and says, "Oh, I'm not that and and what's wrong with me?" as opposed to saying, "Well, wow, what's right for me? What can I teach everybody around me? What do I bring that's unique? way, well, you know, yeah, I've got this thing that's that sucks sometimes and it's a pain in the butt and all of that. But often, It gives me some new set of tools, new set of perspectives, new set of uh, ideas that I can bring to the world um, and add, add value. I mean, I think that's the other piece is that people always feel that you're adjusting to blindness, that you're, you know, kind of compensating somehow, whereas it's never presented as, wow, this is value added. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something, you know, again, I don't think everybody should rush out and seek to be a blind person. You know, that's weird and and unnecessary and probably dangerous and whatever. But why not express a desire to understand what unique perspective comes from this? Why not understand that a blind person can teach sighted people how to do certain things? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so you know i think it's a different way of paying attention it's a different way of engaging it's a different way of being a part of the world
0: and that seemed to be scary for sighted people who you know like uh, uh like you know we're changing uh, we're changing the perspective and yeah. forcing them to see to see us in a different light but the yeah. thing is how do we get the information across you know like we have diversity training quote unquote But uh, I just uh, went to a conference uh, a while ago, and it was a drug and alcohol mental health conference. And I went around to different treatment uh, programs, and, and, you know, they all have booths. And I said, you know, have you uh, worked with that? You know, what do you do for uh, people who are not sighted? And they look (laughs) at me blankly because they haven't had anybody who's blind come into their program. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, the first know the first thing, and we have to educate them yes there there are blind people who run into trouble with substance abuse or mental health issues, But this is what you do. And mm-hmm. uh, I understand the uh, at least they talked about at that conference possibly inviting me, uh, you know your token blind person, to do a presentation to educate the treatment folks as to what they have to do or what they should do. And, you know, it gets something started, not to stand up as a hero, but it's just to say, look, I have a different perspective about treatment.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, that's and that's absolutely right.
0: So diversity <laughs> has to include that. Diversity mm-hmm. has to, you know, when, when they do diversity or when, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, maybe you disagree but let's say someone is teaching a, a course in literature, we just offhand to say, oh, this happens to be a person, or include in the curriculum some people with uh, different viewpoints in terms of disabilities. And oh, yeah. you say, hey, you know, not everybody is, uh, you know, is sighted and has a, a wife and two kids and a house with a picket fence.
1: Yep. No, that's, that's absolutely right. And the thing is, it's what you're touching on is it's all of a bigger piece. It's sort of, it's, it's related to media. It's related to images that we get in daily life. It's, it's related to who we encounter and what, what we value in society that allows people that are different in terms of disabilities and other, you know, kind of just other differences in general, which overlap with all the differences. Um, You know, it depends on who we are um, kind of exposed to as a society and as a culture. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with media. It starts with just encountering people on the streets. It starts with academic conferences. It starts with classes. All of these things are of a piece that 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 all shape what makes us realize how we think about things. And I guess that one of the invitations I offer to people when I'm talking about some of this, is I say, um, stop and think for a moment. The first time you remember learning about somebody with a disability of, of, you know, whatever the disability was, or, you know, or the first time you thought about a blind person or the first blind person you ever met and have them just sit with that for a minute and understand what, what was going through their heads and, where they got the images from. And, you know, and I sometimes will press them and say, well, what about popular culture in a movie, in a book, in a TV show, you know, any of these things? When, Where did it come to you from? And there's, one, there's not that many. And two, the ones that are there are either, like you mentioned Helen Keller before, you know, kind of that's the image everybody remembers and retains from school. Um, But there's never, like, just a cool a cool blind kid that's around that's just part of stuff and you know part of the world.
0: So yeah. we need more of that. <laughs> well the thing is if I were to you know say, okay, well where do the sighted people find find out about these people if we don't see there's a there's a contradiction in a sense by not we don't want people to talk about it, but at the same time Decided people won't know anything about us unless we put ourselves out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And, and that's I, why, yeah, we need histories. And that's where history is really good. If you have a history class that incorporates some of these stories into it, if you have a literature class, like you said, that does that, uh, you know, all of that, that will, you know, it's repeat exposure, but all of it will go in. It'll be a little prick first time and like, psh, psh. You know, oh, that's a touch, you know, and then you come back a few years later, or a few days later, another touch about blindness, another, blah, blah, blah. you know, the more mm-hmm. places that people get these different um, images, they'll eventually, after a certain amount of time, start to change. And most mm-hmm. of that change happens from family members, but that's a huge uh, role for somebody to be you know, engaged in all the
0: time. Well, some names that, that of course, pop to mind, uh, and I'm thinking of Bocelli, the uh, opera singer, because oh, he's uh-huh. out there, everybody says, oh, yeah, right, there, they can sing. Now, why they didn't think blind people could sing before, I don't know, but, you know, that's what people express is surprise and sing well.
1: Right, right. Well, you've got Stevie Wonder, you've got all those blues musicians from forever, you know, from a long time, 19th century musicians and others. I mean, you have lots of people that are doing it. The problem is there's this weird connect collective amnesia that people have when they they meet somebody that doesn't meet their expectations. They either make that person be exceptional or they they forget about that piece of them. So it's it's mm-hmm. a weird it's a weird psychology that people try to hold on to these older ideas. They 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 desperate for them. And I don't I'm not enough of a psychologist to understand why that's the case, but it definitely is
0: for well, people are, I know for myself, I never advertised that I was a blind therapist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so people would come in and during the course of our first session, uh, some people would say, "Oh, are you blind?" And you know, my usual response, "Yeah, the last time I checked, yeah." And <laughs> and then we go on back to back to business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in other words, to treat it that it's nothing special, and that helps them to feel more comfortable. But people are uncomfortable with something that's different from them.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, uh, but there, but th- let me add one point to that, though, is that I think when it comes to blind people going to see a blind therapist, it's not a given either because I remember right. when I was, when I was first starting to come to terms with my own attitudes about myself and my vision impairment and all of that, I, I, uh, signed up for this, um, uh, uh I guess it was the center for independent living in Berkeley. So they, and they uh, um, made me uh, made it possible. They introduced me to a blind counselor and I went in there and there she was with her dog and she's just sitting there with her glasses and I just about passed out. I was not ready. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, my prejudice about myself ran so deep. I was ready to flee. In fact, I might have, and I never went back and, You know, the the envelopes would arrive in the mail that said something about blind this or blind that on it. And I was I was mortified. I felt like this big stigma X was on my house, you know. So it takes a lot of work. I mean, you know, I feel now I'm um, you know, much, much better than I was many years ago. Not perfect all the time. I have my little moments, you know, where I'm a little ashamed or shy or whatever. But um you know, it's it's a lot of work, and it's a lot better once you get past um, the the initial stages of your own, you own education,
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah for
1: sure, yeah, sure.
0: And see, but that's again, why. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: Begin. I think history and literature and all of these ways that people learn about others in society and life, all of those will help. It's just we don't have any of them except for, like, really awful ones, mostly. You know, it's changing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot now, a lot better literature. There's, I mean, even as, as a starting place, the New York Times series on disability, um, uh, where I've published a couple of articles, they, they have some good stuff on, you know, all of blind people and and disability in general. And it's it's great to meet other people. I recommend the Kernel books from NFB um, and I don't know if, how they're distributed anymore. Um, I think they're online. I don't even know if they're still published, but each one is a little, it's filled with these little vignettes of people uh, overcoming prejudice, blind people overcoming prejudice of, of themselves and of other people. And it's a little, it's like eating salted peanuts. It's like, you know, wow, what's going to happen in this story? What's going to happen in this one? Mm-hmm. little short, like two, three page stories. Um, they all end with kind of celebrating the National Federation of the Blind, which you know you may or may not want that to be your messaging. But if they're really, really good stories that that help you, or it certainly helped me, I should say, um, get past a lot of the prejudice and a lot of the negative self talk and all of that. It's like, oh, there's a person that's doing that. Like they meet a sighted. You know, the sighted the parents of a um a cited date, you know, those kinds of things and they describe it and they're funny or they're, you know, whatever. Anyway, I think they're totally worth
0: reading. That'd be a good resource if they're still uh, available through the NFB. Because again, yeah. somebody has to kind of wave this and say, Hey, you know, we're we're like the rest of the world.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And there's some one of my favorite ones was about this blind couple that adopted a blind cat and how they had to kind of deal with that. It was it was really, really well done, I thought. And, um, you know, just just like, whoa, (laughs) it's like I figured this out for me. But what do I do for the cat? You know, (laughs) and um, it was kind of sweet.
0: Yeah, that that reminds me when I was uh, visiting some friends their their dog had just gone blind and I have my guide dog. And for the whole time we were visiting, the dog who was blind was leaning against my dog and my dog would guide him, you know, it was a guide dog for the, for the, the blind animal. And they go run out. He would lean against, uh, Hugo then and lean against him and they would run out to the front yard. And of course, once he was in the front yard, he knew he was okay. And then, you know, uh, Uh, Hugo would guide them back into the house when they needed to come in, which, which, again, is an example of, say, wait a minute, you know, there are ways around some of the limitations that we place upon ourselves. And Mm -hmm. what you were describing, some limitations you placed on yourself until you got adjusted to the idea of of blindness.
1: Yep, yep. And the adjustment took years. I mean, it took years. It took therapy. It took, um, you know, really recognizing myself, and then starting to read about history and and all these other things. And you know, our time together at the Colorado Center for the Blind I thought was amazing. I mean, I I overcame so much there of my fears mm-hmm. and my, you know, my my bad image, and just meeting people and and bonding with people and. Oh, you know, it was once that cloak of shame and whatever lifted, it was incredible. I felt like there was no stopping me once that happened.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's one of the things, particularly for those who are in the family, trying to protect them one of the ways they protect them is to keep them away from other blind people because, mm-hmm. you know, blind people don't know what to do mm-hmm. in, their, in their minds, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you yeah, it just reinforces everything, sure.
0: I like the attitude that you, know, you told me about uh, meeting somebody on a bus who you were, uh, were talking with her about blindness, and she just said, as a matter of fact, if I were, uh, were blind, I would kill myself. What?
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a nice cheerful moment. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs> yeah exactly. I, uh,
1: I thought, lady, you've got really limited resources. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> It's. I'm sorry for you. I was really, you know, I've I genuinely felt sorry for her. I I know she was trying really hard to feel sorry for me because of whatever. But wow, I mean, I think my pity ran way deeper than hers. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's a different flavor of pity. I don't a different
0: know. Different flavor, but. yeah. But but you see, that that's the other piece. We don't want people to feel sorry for us unless it's to. You know, I have to admit there's sometimes I use that a little bit to get some things that I want, so I don't have to expend so much energy. But, mm-hmm. you know, on the whole, we want them to just see us as normal people with a difference that we just learn to compensate. But that And that makes all of us heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can do that just to ourselves as well as to other people, but boy, sure. you know, our families will tend to hide us. Uh friends, you know, people are afraid to let us go out the door. And that's what's injurious to us. Yes, I agree. And so we have to look at who the role models. Because I think you're right in in being around blind people on an ongoing basis. I remember my uh Vocational rehab counselor uh, who happened to be the state pre- a, a state president of the NFB, so he was, which I knew nothing about at the time. But he said, you could stay in Philadelphia and they'll teach you how to make a casserole and take you out with white cane out on an empty parking lot, or you can go to a program where you immer- a training center where you immerse yourself. With other blind people, with blind instructors, with and and oftentimes that's the only way that we can we can learn uh, a different attitude and have a different attitude. But again, and also find out who uh, who is out there who making things happen. Even yep. though uh, I say, in addition to being blind, they're making things happen, and that that's, that's that's why I'm I'm kind of. Uh, pushing you a little bit to say, okay, who's an example in, uh, you know, in, in some, or someone who you particularly uh, know that I won't say as a role model, but just an example that people can find out. We can talk about Homer. You know, he.
1: Okay. He All right. You push, 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 push. All right. Um, uh, sure. I I recommend that people check out Thomas Reed, R-E-I-D. He has a podcast called Read My Mind Radio, R-E-I-D, My Mind Radio. It's fantastic. He's, you know, pushing all sorts of edges, all sorts of limits, and he's just smart. And he's a great interviewer, too. Um, And I think he's, you know, tackling a lot of these issues that that you're recommending. And he's got a whole stream of people coming on his show all the time. And I guess I was one of them, Truth in Advertising. But um, he has, uh, you know, lots of people that he introduces you to that are these leaders and are these people that are pushing, Mm. uh, pushing the envelope and pushing, um, you know, just pushing you to think about it all in new ways. And they're they're fun. And he's like I said, he's a great interviewer and really Savvy about getting people to talk about themselves and their and who they are and what they're doing,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and it's that's very a, warm and yeah.
0: And that's a good resource because that, that is really if we can move uh, in this in this day and age, move blind people, people who have blindness, uh, to the forefront at least to our own community and say, look. You don't have to hold yourself back. And that was one of the advantages of the training center where the instructors are mine. They would say, Oh, we don't have to be cited to survive. Or we mm-hmm. have or we don't have to accept less than. And that's where, you know, guess even the the people who uh, you know are not well known names are and and each of us can be role models for other people who are uh of suffering from blindness or in the process of losing their sight. But we have to be willing and all of us to be noticed. Yep. That's in a positive true. way. Sure. I remember one time, you know, uh, a group of my fellow students were, you know, we were thinking, well, can a blind person rob a bank? And we went round and round figuring out how we would do it. revolving doors were a problem, and I said I would have to change the cult, you know, dye my dog's hair differently, so he wouldn't be recognized. But while it's funny, it still says, "Okay, wait a minute, there is a possibility we can do it. We can do anything we want to do, but we just have to find out find a way to do it. And we have to find other people who are doing or who encourage us to do something different. That's And right. that's why I consider this a, a, an issue for mental health, because we need to feel good about ourselves. And sitting there and feeling like we can't do anything, or we're incapable of doing anything, or there's nobody out there who's doing what we want to do, doesn't help us feel very good. Agreed. Yeah, that's true. And so we have a uh, history professor who's written books, and I think you're still writing. And, you know, this is just a matter of course for her. And so you're a role model. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, in the lecturing, plus you speak French as well as English, which I admire just right there. It has nothing to do with blindness, just being able able (laughs) to talk in two languages. But uh, it's a miracle as far as I'm concerned. But again, it's when we stand out there uh, and say, okay, yeah, okay, I I have blindness issues, but no big deal. True. This has been great, Kathy. I really appreciate it, and and particularly uh, looking at, Uh, our fellow Americans and kind of encouraging, I hope anybody who's listening to this feels encouraged to just decide what it is they want to do and know that they can do it. Even if they, even if they have a vision loss and that, that's all we can do, right?
1: That is absolutely true.
0: Kathy, thank you. And we'll keep in touch. Uh, Sounds
1: great. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening in. If you have any comments or any suggestions, uh, pass them on to us, to Blindsight, through uh, our website at the uh, uh, AIN of Colorado I think it's A-I-N Colorado uh, org. And let us know uh, what you'd like to hear or uh, how we can do better. Thank you very much, Kathy. And uh, to all, uh, take care. This has been Blind Sight.